Hey, early adopters and super VIPs. If you have not done so yet, please help us out by pounding that subscribe button and rating and reviewing us on Apple iTunes. We've got so many new and awesome interviews coming up that you won't want to miss. And we want to make sure that this podcast grows and gets even more awesome guests. Welcome to Buy and Build, the podcast about buying a business and building in public. Uncover the wins and losses as we renovate our business together. Come along for the ride. Now, here are your hosts of Buy and Build, Nicholas Scalp and Daryl Lim. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy here, Daryl, with Buy and Build Podcast here with Nicholas Gelf. Today, we have our next guest. He's straight from Germany. He's a man of many talents. He has experience in almost every field and part of the entrepreneurial journey. First off, he's bought and built a business with base templates in 2019, which he's grown to a decent amount. He's also launched multiple products on Product Hunt as part of his love for launching products and Last but not least, he's also in the investment side of things as an active angel investor at his own firm, Fleetman Ventures, as well as partner over at Richmond View Ventures. Wow, you are very diverse, Max. Welcome to the show, Max. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really, really, really happy uh, to talk a little bit more about the things that I've done in the past and also the failures that I like made uh, the, all the way through it. I think you're probably the first that we've had on the show where you've pretty much done all of it and are active in all those different things, which is pretty cool. Like, I guess there's like a fine balance about that, but I guess we'll ask you more questions about that during the show itself. But starting off, tell us about Max. I know you love business. I know you love entrepreneurship, but the one question we love to ask is what do you do for fun? What kind of podcast do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? when you're not looking at pitch decks or creating products? <laughs> yeah, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, this is a difficult question to answer because like the thing that I do for fun are also like the things I do for a living because I, I breathe entrepreneurship, what I love doing. And luckily I experienced that uh, right at the beginning of my career. Besides of that, I really enjoy like having friends over cooking is something I recently started to pursue really, really intensely in the lockdown because I had like all this time in the evenings and I thought it would be cool to like, yeah, ramp up my skills in the kitchen as well. So what's the most interesting that you think that you've cooked so far? Yeah. So I think there's like one dish that I'm really, really good at because I made it like so many times. And this is like um, noodles with shrimps and chili and also coriander. And this sounds a little bit, oh, okay, it's just another pasta dish. But I, I think I managed to make a really, really special receipt around that. And if you are in Germany anytime, I would really love to invite you to, to just uh, taste it and give it like a feedback on that. Maybe we should do like a cooking with entrepreneur show. Yeah, absolutely. We can, we can scream it on Twitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> New angel investment project, Max. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Awesome. Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead Daryl. <laughs> okay, so 
can you can you talk to us a little bit about how how you kind of got started on this journey? You know, there's there's kind of so many roads that you've yeah. gone down. Where does this all stem from? Yeah, I think like if we go back when I was like 13 or 14, I was like, yeah, was browsing through the internet and I always thought to myself, well, that's so cool. I can get all the information uh, that I want. And then I found like the first tutorials regarding HTML and building websites and all of that stuff. And then it were the point when it all started. So I started out building websites for myself, for other people, coded these scripts and all of that. And I always thought to myself, wow, that's amazing. I can get money for something that I would do for free because I had like such a huge amount of time after school and like I was building all this stuff and then people were paying me to build, to build these websites and stuff. And that was amazing. And then I built my first bigger project when I was 15. It was a browser game, a mafia browser game that was like quite popular at that time. And like over the course of maybe half a year, I got uh, to 15,000 users that were playing this online mafia browser game. And then the fun part begins because like another half a year later, when I was 16, I sold this company or this project without my parents even knowing anything about that because I had to fake like everything from money bookers accounts to domains, PayPal and all of that stuff. Because we, <laughs> uh, when, when I was growing up, we were like, more, yeah, my parents weren't so, so uh, connected to the internet. And if I would have told them, hey, I want, I want to sell this mafia game online. Uh, can you help me with your signet? They would have told me, Max, you're fucking out of your mind. And you, it's, it's crazy. What the heck are you doing? So I just faked it all. And that was the point when I really felt, okay, entrepreneurship is the thing I want to pursue for the rest of my life. That's amazing. And, <laughs> yeah, I think this, this is a little fun story I, I always tell, but looking back, it's just, it was just the right start. And I always had, always had so much fun doing it. And yeah, after that, I decided to study industrial engineering and I found myself sitting in university and I just started to study it because like everyone in, in my network, but also my family said, okay, you have to study something that is real where you can get a really good job after that. And I was sitting in the class at, classes at university and I felt so bored because I had to like the thermodynamics and like these constructions of, of like, like anything in the mechanical engineering sector. And luckily for me, it was always really, really easy to, learn for the exams at the end of the semester so the thing that I did so I just like went to university for the exams and took the period of two weeks before the exams to learn for these exams and luckily that worked out quite well and on the second level it gave me the freedom to pursue my own ideas in university and I had like all of this spare time to build new projects and I think that was the moment when I found my first real bigger company. So we were um, thinking about a way of combining the best of two worlds in the education sector. So there were these tutoring, tutoring players here in Germany that no student wanted to go there because they were really old and not motivating at all. And then there were like the first online um, apps coming up, learning videos and stuff like that. 
And the problem that we saw was that for the new players that were coming up, the parents didn't want to pay because, because they were thinking, okay, I, I'm not paying for something where, where my kid is sitting in front of the computer even more. And they were just paying for the offline stuff. And then our idea was to build all this off online stuff for free, like a big website with 1 million visitors per month just coming in around that. And we took that as a marketing channel to fuel our offline crash courses that we were doing here in Germany. And that worked out so well that we scaled it to over 200 cities uh, in like two years. And we were like totally bootstrapped to that point. And yeah, this was like the first, the first bigger company we were doing. And then at that point, we were doing, I think, around a million in revenue at that point, bootstrap. And then we got an acquisition offer from another player. And we thought at that point, oh no, no one can take our company. We, we are, we are the, the ones doing it and come on, let's go the next step alone. And then we, we will buy them or anything like that and started to take on some, some venture capital money because we thought hey, it could be, would be cool to fuel our growth even more. And then that was the point where things got a little bit wrong, to be honest, because we were like in our early 20s. We had a huge amount of cash in the bank. And then we were like spending so quickly all the venture money that we had. So hiring too fast, hiring the wrong people, but also like doing stupid things, testing some kind of like TV commercials and all, all of that stuff. And it was quite how we managed to spend all of that money. And then we were at a point where we were looking at our uh, cash balance in, uh, in our accounts and we were thinking, oh shit, we have spent all the money, but our top line revenue hasn't grown as much as, as we thought it would. And then we had to decide, oh, what the heck are we doing? And the next problem came up because all the people that we hired, we had a very like friendly culture in our company. And so it was so hard for us as the founder to like fire them out of the business. And then we decided, okay, we're not taking any more money out of the company to, to pay them. But yeah, in the end, this was even more stupid because that didn't work out because it didn't help with the problems we had in the company. And then we had to restructure the whole company, set it up again in a uh, better way, more profitable way. And the company is still, still growing, is still active, makes a lot of uh, profit. My co-founders are still on board. And this was like my, my first big entrepreneurial endeavor. Wow. That's awesome. So, so you get like your first big win as a kid, like the most, most people who are, I, I've heard the story a lot where it's like, yeah, I started as a kid. I made like something around a game, either like, like I personally sold money in a game. I've heard people made like marketplaces for games or made their own small game. Most people haven't scaled it to like 15,000 people when they're 15 years old. That's awesome. So you get like your first big win early on. And then again, like in college, when most people are just starting, you have another major win and a major loss and learn all those lessons super early. It's it's really interesting to hear, like, you know, you went kind of through the full cycle, the full entrepreneurial experience before you're 25. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the only thing that's missing out in, the, in this story is like, so the, the exit or like the, the sell of the project that I was doing as, as a kid was kind of, kind of small, as you can, mm -hmm. can imagine. And for my, I always had the drive to 
I always thought, okay, I have to have this big exit and get all of this money in. And then I have, for me, it was always something acknowledgement and reputation because I was reading all these headlines around the internet. And it seemed for me, it seemed for me like everyone is successful. Everyone is like selling their business. And I felt like, I'm the only one who's just like failing towards a goal. So from failure to failure. And it was really, really hard to understand. But now uh, I think I'm a little bit wiser. And I know that a lot of the things you read in the internet are just like people like <laughs> promoting themselves or their companies in ways that are not 100% real. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what, <laughs> what did your parents say after you sold the business and you're like, yeah, I made a whole bunch of money? I think they found out when I was like in my early 20s so I think they weren't <laughs> looking at my account but I I was just sitting at the kitchen table and there were like these this amount on my on my and I was just like really really happy around it but haven't haven't told them like at that time yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so just out of curiosity how did you grow that base of users for your game like at that age like how did you know how to do that yeah I I think at that time it was still quite easy to do that because like there were so many tricks on the internet you can you could do to get users to your game and 99% of the people that were building websites still didn't have any clue how to do that so if you were like a little bit better that helped a lot and I think the main thing why that game worked was there was this kind of referral logic where you had like a player coming in and they were sending out links to gain these coins inside of the, of the game. And they were sending them over to their friends and the friends saw like this game coming up and it said something like, your, your friend Daryl stole 50 coins of you and they also wanted to play that game. And so I had like, like this kind of flywheel effect. Wow. What was the name of this game? I wonder if I played it. <laughs> no, it, it was a German-only game, and it was, okay. it was called Langfinger. Like someone who <laughs> steals from other people. Nice. That's hilarious. So, I mean, man, that was a crazy story. But you have so many things that you do under your belt that we've got to ask you about all of it. So the next question I want to ask you about is more along the lines of angel investing. You've got like your hands in there and like you're investing money into different businesses. So tell us about your angel investing experience. Like what, what do you enjoy investing in or what do you look for? Yeah. 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 So when I was a founder, I always like wished for, investors on, on board of my cap table that could add something besides the money. And I think at that time, it wasn't so easy to find them, especially for me as someone who was growing up, not in Berlin, but more on the countryside. And I didn't have any network to this whole startup scene at that time. And we were just raising money from, from some angels, but more like local entrepreneurs who have like these legacy businesses, as I call them and more of a local venture capitalist as well. And then during, during the time of like my first company study help, I grew my personal network of other founders and other like-minded entrepreneurs. And at some time, they, I like had friends who were founding new companies and they asked myself, hey Max, do you want to join the ride? We could really use your experience in 
product management or your experience in acquiring users. And then I thought about myself, oh man, I don't have like the financial financial uh, financials to in, invest as an angel investor because I always thought to myself, okay, uh, an angel investor has to invest at least $100,000 per ticket or anything like that. But like breaking it down, you can also start angel investing earlier in your career and take a, a portion of the, of the money that you have and allocate it in a smart way. And I was always, it was so much fun talking to these founders around about their vision and also the product they are building. And especially for me, the most interesting part of a company life cycle is like the first, doing the first step. So from having the idea to bringing in the first, first customers and first like customers that are satisfied, that was really interesting for me. And I think I'm really, really good at helping these other founders. And so more and more founders were letting me in into their rounds with even like smaller tickets at that time. Yeah, and I just helped them like, Uh, down the road and I still love to do that and like right now I'm almost like 90 95% only looking for great founders and great teams because this is the one thing that will really make a business stand out you can have a great idea but if your team is not complete or if you're not like really driven to um, succeed in, in in your business it won't work out so I'm like talking a lot uh, to founders and talking about their vision. Why are they founding? What is their motivation? Is it money or is it like something deeper? And that really, really helps me make these decisions. So purpose is something that resonates with you, but like, what about, you know, a diverse set of team that has all the different skills that you need? Are those the two things that you look for or is there more than that? Yeah, I think these two are the, are the most important ones. So it's always good if you have a diverse team. And I think you should ask yourself the, the hard questions at the beginning. So is the team aligned is another question. So if like you and uh, Nicholas and Daryl, you two would found a business together, I think it's really, really important to ask yourself the question where you want to bring this business before you start. Because if person A is like running in this direction and person B is running in this direction, it will be really, really hard to fix it down the road. And so make, make this alignment uh, at the beginning. And yeah, besides of that, something, but this is like something that is really, really special to me. I think um, I'm looking for businesses where I can add value with my knowledge that I have besides the money. And I, I, I just love businesses that have a great, design and UX and one of my main thesis is that for the future like UI and UX will be more important than ever and there will be a new generation of tools where they where you take an old tool and just give it a new interface layer and the new one with the new interface layer will be massive massively like pumping up their users and the old one will go down at some time well my my go-to example of that just IPO'd Robinhood Robinhood yeah. was you know honestly a kind of bad broker <laughs> they have the best ui and now they're a like 50 billion dollar company because of it you know they're still lacking a bunch of features that all the traditional brokers have and i mean they're huge yeah and and one thing i'm thinking a lot about is like this whole audience topic so how can you as a founder but also as a business build an audience that works for you or that really is so satisfied with your business that they refer other users, bring them on board because 
it's getting so so much more difficult to bring in all these paid users and i think all of this paid traffic through google but also facebook and instagram is getting more and more expensive every year and this is also one thing that is driven by all of this venture capital money that is flowing inside the market so right now maybe a seed round is two or five million or even 10 million and if we are looking back back five years it was more 500k or 1 million and that's so crazy how much money is flowing into the market and the people and the companies are like they want to all they want to all attract the same kind of customers and this like really really drives the price you have to pay for every customer so yeah. you were talking about how you're like have the expertise in ui and ux but like again you've understated how skillful you are because you've grown these few companies with the game itself and then the study course kind of thing where you just yeah. blew it up into 200 cities so and every almost i wouldn't say every but a lot of the interviews that we do they say the big thing is traction being able to grow it and get that audience and you seem to understand that a lot and that's a very important factor so it's almost like the two things are equally important like you, you do need a good ux and ui because that will change your face of how everything looks but without that audience how are you going to get in front of those people yeah i think it's like it's the hardest part around a business to find the people you are building the product for and i think a lot of founders make the mistake that they want to that, that they want to attract a broad range of customers at the beginning so they they think of okay i'm building a notion for example that uh, this can work for a student, but it's also for someone who's doing a project management and it's also for someone who's tracking their investments, for example. And I think if you are starting out with this kind of mindset, you won't succeed because it's, it's so hard to build something that is really something other people want to use and be to find these kind of customers. So I always think how small of a, of a, like of a customer niche can I start with? And then I'm really, really trying to build a product that's working like 10x better than anything they have used before in this kind of space and really try to narrow my acquisition tactics down to these kind of users. And it's so much easier if you found them and build a product they love and then expand from there to do it the other way around. Because like if you're attracting these different, different target groups, you will be like wasting so much time building features no one wants to really use and you are like have a clumsy product that is blown up or anything so i really really try to narrow it down find a way where these people are spending their time also on the internet in communities or anything and just try to attract them around there so would you say most of your marketing efforts are focused around paid advertising or would you also do like seo or outreach yeah. like what kind yeah, so, of strategy yeah. you use? So it 100% depends on the business I'm doing. So there are businesses that are, in, in, in my experience, very paid advertising driven. But one great example that is not paid um, advertising driven is Base Templates. So Base Templates is a business that I took over in 2019. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a website around the topic of startup fundraising. And it helps you, we provide templates for your fundraising. So pitch deck templates, but also financial model templates. We have these services if you want to have a custom pitch deck build, but also the resources. 
And this is a business like 100% of the revenues we are doing are coming in through organic channels. And this is like so, so crazy. And when I was, when I was taking over the business, I saw some interesting things. So I thought that a lot of people were coming in from like Google through like long tail keywords around all of these uh, fundraising topics. So for example, pitch deck business model slide or anything around that. So very, very specific targeted. And then I saw that the guy who started with it had done like one or two product hunt launches at that time. And I saw that there was a spike in, in, in users coming to the website around these product hunt launches. And you would expect that. And I would have expected that. But what I also saw is that after every launch, the number of like users that were coming to the website on a daily basis was on a new level. So, and then I thought to myself, okay, I don't have any idea how this product thing, uh, product hunt thing works, but I've tried it out myself. And after my first launch that I did, I saw the same thing. So after the product hunt launch, the traffic was on a new level. And then I did another product hunt launch and I saw the traffic was on a new level. And this is mainly because A, people find you through product hunt and if they are just looking around, but also like um, searching stuff around there. But what's really, really important, if you can get a nice launch on Product Hunt, so many people on the internet will write about you and you will have all these backlinks around the internet with every launch you are doing if you are really providing a valuable product. And this really brings your business to the next level. And so the main factor why, base, why I was able to grow base templates over the last one and a half years was Product Hunt. Because with every launch, I was, I was bringing the traffic to a new level. That's so funny because in one of the other questions that I wrote, it says, did you use product hunt to help launch base templates and grow the audience? So you just kind of reconfirmed what I thought. Cause I, I was looking through like your background and your bio and I'm like, why does I have like 10, 15 launches on product hunt and I look through them and they're all kind of synchronized with base templates and what you're doing. So I'm like, Oh, this kind of makes sense. And they're not, you weren't charging for this kind of resources is like, Hey, it's the best 50 templates of the startups and you can check yeah. it out here. And it's like, Oh, wow, this is actually a smart method. You're giving something away for free with lots of value. Maybe you're capturing the email or they're just going to your site and then you're converting them. 100% Daryl. You just, nice. you, you, <laughs> you, you just have written the playbook. <laughs> love it. I love what I'm, uh, have some sort of theory and then it gets reconfirmed. <laughs> so you're really using it more as a, an SEO hack than like a, a lead gen. Yeah. I think I personally, I'm really shitty at like making this kind of lead to conversion strategy. So I hate writing like follow up emails and all these mail automations and stuff like that. And I hated myself to, like leave my email address to download some kind of white paper or anything around that. Mm. And that's why I decided to make most of the free resources like really free and you can use them without leaving your email address. And I assumed if the people enjoy the resource and get to know the brand-based templates even better, uh, it would also give uh, me and the project a lot of trust and the people will come back if they are looking for help regarding their fundraise. And till now that worked out quite well. 
don't know whether the other option would have been in terms of like conversion or money or anything, but I think this is like my way of doing it. So I want to ask you more about product hunts. So you launched a bunch of products and we've actually had Chris Messina on the show. He's the number one product hunter on product hunt. And we know sometimes you need to get hunted in order for you to have massive growth or to get upvoted. Um, or even have like an email list ready to go. There's like a few articles that are out there. So did you do any of that stuff before you launched? Or was it just like, oh, I know this is a good product. I'm going to place it out there, put it at the right time, and then see what happens. No, I think you have to like build your own product on playbook, as I call it. So when I was first thinking about launching on Product Hunt, I reached out to some people I knew that had already done it. And I think this is this was like the most valuable thing to do. So get experiences from other people who have done it before. And then they were telling me all of these, all of these tricks. So one, one really, really important thing is if you're launching on Product Hunt, 12, 0, uh, 1 a.m. on uh, like San Francisco time. So in Germany, it's like 9 a.m. in the morning and you have to launch exactly at, at this time or maybe like five minutes later or anything. And then you have to get in a lot of votes early on because then you will be jumping to the front page and you really have to get to the front page to get like the organic upvotes going if you're not if you're not managing to go to the front page your product will only have like maybe 40 votes or 50 votes over the day and no one will care so it's really important that you have a group of people that really help you to get these first upvotes and this, like in, in the best case scenario, these are people that love your product and want to support your journey. And then you get them on to upvote very, very early. And if you are managed to do that, this really helps you get going for the day. And then I think it's really, really important to have this kind of great product that the people like. And there are things that the product hunt, product hunt community is really uh, happy about like all the all kind of resource stuff like the product hunt community loves that with no paywall or anything and then they will go there upvote comment and all the stuff will yeah fly by itself but it's also a good idea if you have an email list or yeah at first create one or if you have one to send out like uh, regular updates around your launch and use them use the list over the day to really really promote the thing that you are doing and I think if you have this group of people that really, really think your product is great, it's really easy to have a nice product hunt launch because they will support you and then everything will work out fine. And I really underestimated the effect product hunt can have because I, I haven't like, I saw it on the internet. I was just using it a little bit. But after my first launch, when I was seeing that like the traffic spike coming in on Google Analytics, I said, Wow, that's so crazy. You can get so many users just by launching this thing on Product Hunt once. Yeah, it's launched a lot of businesses, I think. Yeah. And clearly you're, you're saying that does exemplify that, which is amazing. You know, in getting those people who did upvote you at the very beginning, how did you get those people? Because I think that's the hardest part for people. We, I don't know a lot of people who are on Product Hunt. I don't know if Nick does, but maybe you can let us know how you actually got all those people to do the upvotes free at the beginning? Um, so in my experience, it's quite easy to get them because entrepreneurs 
always happy to share experiences and learn from each other. So I would start reaching out to fellow entrepreneurs and try to add value first and help them with anything or just like say, hey, I'm happy to share any experiences around like, for example, marketing. And after that, you can ask them, hey, Daryl, I'm launching my new product next week on Product Hunt. I would really appreciate you upvoting or comment, commenting the product. And I think this works out quite well because entrepreneurs, it's a, it's a really special group. They all want to support each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking like, maybe this might be an interesting, because we've had so many interviews now, I think probably close to 22 or 23 different interviews. And we've been approached by different people saying like, hey, what's the best way to like buy or build a business? Because we've had all these interviews. We should maybe put that in a resource and then put it on Product Hunt. Because like, who knows, maybe someone would appreciate the things that we've learned in the show and put it into one place and that will might grow the audience. Absolutely. You should 100% do that. And I'm happy to hunt you. Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> we got that on the show. So we're going to hold you to it, Max. <laughs> <laughs> and just just to note the front page of product hunt the last item on the front page is 43 upvotes right yeah. so it's it's like you know not a huge threshold to to get to the point where you kind of get on the front page and you can have some escape velocity yeah and i and i think there's like one interesting change happen right now so two weeks ago product hunt changed a little bit around their login system or anything so till the till that day you could view all of the products that were launching on that day and click on them and go to the website without having an account. But two weeks ago, they changed it. And now you have to sign in to view more of them. So I think this uh, results in a little bit lower traffic that is coming to your website if you're launching now, but maybe a little bit more of a quality traffic. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So... I mean, in terms of the products, can you actually talk about some of the products you've launched on uh, Product Hunt? Yeah, absolutely. So when I, I was always thinking, how can I build products around this topic of startup fundraising? And I've raised uh, startup fund like in, in investment myself. And I knew that I had made so many mistakes doing that the first time that I, that I was doing it. And then I was thinking, what would be helpful for other people who are, who are in the situation that I was like some years ago? And I think the most successful product that I built for product, uh, product Hunt was called Pitch Deck Hunt. So I built a collection of the 150 of the most successful pitch decks so from Airbnb to Shopify. And it really, really helps people who are building their own deck right now because you can get a lot of inspiration from all of these decks so from how, how which slides should i include in my deck but but also how can i visualize a market slide or anything around that what's the vision how are they telling their story this is something that the people really really loved i think it has around maybe 1500 upvotes or anything uh, and the people loved base templates for this resource and this is still something that converts so many users from free to paid for our templates. And another like thing that I'm really, really proud of is our investor pitch training. So uh, when I was pitching investors, they were all like asking the same kind of questions. And I thought, oh, 
why not collect all of these questions that all of these investors uh, are asking all the time? And I collected 200 of these questions and I built this little tool where you can randomly pull out a question out of this database and train for yourself. So if I would be building a new business now, I would have, I would build my pitch deck and I, I would just go to this investor pitch training tool, pull out a random question and ask myself, do I have a nice answer for this? If yes, it's totally fine. If not, let's go back to the, back to the basics and think of a way to like really answer that in a, in a nice way. I love that because I've, I've read the, the way you go raise around is like you spend the first like two or three weeks of just like hardcore preparation, make sure you're a pro at everything and then try and get all of your pitches, everything synced up within one week. Yeah. It's like you're a professional athlete. You have to go peak and you compete in the Olympics and then you're done with the Olympics. Like it's a three-day event. So I, I love that you built the training camp for it. Absolutely. And I think the people also love it. And I, it was also so much fun for me to build that. And it also had like a huge effect on, on the organic traffic that is coming in on base templates because, because this is something that a lot of uh, people like mentioned on their Twitter, but also on their websites and linked out to this because this is really, really helpful. It's free. So why not link out? Yeah. Do you, do you think you, you learned a lot as an investor going through this process? Like, has this really changed? Like, do you find yourself asking a question? You go, oh God, this is the one they've heard 40 times already. <laughs> yeah, I, tr I try as an investor, I try to ask different questions than the ones that I got. And I think it helped a lot to build base templates. So my, my role as an investor helped a lot to build these products around base templates because it was now easier for me to understand how um, investors think of certain businesses. And it was because it was like a really, really hard transition. As an entrepreneur and operator, you are more the positive guy and you say, okay, yeah, we can do it. And there's this opportunity we are pursuing and this opportunity and you are 100% going forward, just running against an, an, an wall, a wall, for example. But as an investor, it's not a good idea to be so optimistic about every business. Because then you would sit there investing in 99 out of 100 businesses because you are thinking, okay, we can manage, we can manage it, we can make this happen. And then you, then you have like a portfolio of companies that are maybe not performing as well as you have to uh, have in, in your portfolio. Yeah. Do you, have a, do you have any questions that you're like, okay, this is like some of the, you know, beyond the what's revenue, all that stuff. Do you have any questions that are like, kind of touches to the core of like can this team build this company let me think about it so i think as daryl mentioned earlier traction is something that is really really important for me and traction can be like so different from an early early phase like pre-seed to maybe a company that's raising a series A or series B. So starting at the end, traction is mainly around like revenue numbers, but also all kinds of metrics in terms of customer acquisition, how big is your churn or, or all of these hard numbers. And a lot of companies that are just starting out with an idea. So it's, it's easier to pitch in just an idea without having like these numbers, but 
and and this is reason why so many people leave out attraction slide if, if they are raising money just with an idea but for me it would be really really helpful to still have it and it could be also something standing on the traction slide like hey we built this mvp with no code and we managed to uh, have 100 users sign up or i talked to five people around this idea or i make, made this questionnaire or we did this hackathon or anything so traction can be anything from talking to people to revenue and i would also encourage teams to include any kind of traction inside of their pitch deck, even if they are raising a pre-seed round. Right, right. So just any any sign whatsoever that it's like, hey, this thing may have legs. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe we should get to um, why we brought you on the show, buying and building a business. <laughs> we talked about it. We danced around it. Yeah. Talked about base templates a bunch. You bought it in 2019. You're CEO of the company. And it's about high quality templates that help founders save time and money for their pitch decks. So tell us, I think we kind of understood based on like you explaining all the things you're doing and your experiences, like why did you buy this business? And yeah, where, how it's going today. Yeah, absolutely. So like how you grew it. Yeah. Yeah, back in 2019, I was still working like full-time in the company I founded in the education space, but I was always like looking around for new ideas and it was always, I had these little fun projects on the weekend. And then there was like this competition in the city that we were like building the business in and it was like this idea competition. And I thought, hey, I, I'm, on, I'm on holidays, why not participate in this idea competition? And for that reason, I was looking for a pitch deck template online that was enabling me to build a pitch deck in just like one or two hours because I didn't want to spend a week building this. And then I'm not exactly sure how I found it, but I found base templates. And at that time, they just had one pitch deck template. This was, it was a guy from the Ukraine who was a designer and he built this pitch deck template and sold it online. And I bought the deck and used it myself. I won the idea competition. And then like nothing happened for like two months, but I was really, really happy with the purchase. And then I somehow found out that this guy from the Ukraine wanted to sell the business. And then I reached out to him and I asked him, hey, Basil, how are you doing? Tell me a little bit more about base templates. I'm an entrepreneur, user of your template. So what do you think? How, how much do you want to sell the business for? What are the important numbers and anything around that? And we jumped on a call and he told me um, about the story of base template, showed me the numbers in Google Analytics, but also the things that the templates that he was selling and also his idea of growing it in the future. And, and then at that point, when I was looking at the Google Analytics, I thought to myself, wow, that's crazy. This guy is selling, I think around maybe 500 to 500 euro or 1000 euro per in templates without spending a dime on marketing. So all of these sales were coming in through Google and all the rankings that he already had on the internet. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be to have like a passive income of 1K per month at that time? And then we were talking about the possible acquisition and he told me the price and I thought, Ooh, okay, the price, uh, it's, it's 
it's okay. So if I'm lucky, I sh so it takes one and a half years around or maybe two years to get the money back that I was spending on the business. And then I decided to buy it and sent the money over from my account to the Ukraine. And he gave me all the domain and all of the stuff. And at the day that we were clothing the deal, I was like really, really happy and was looking forward to get the first sales in. And then something special happened because in the first, I think 15 or 70 days, there were zero sales. And I was thinking to myself, oh, 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 oh shit, what have I done? I sent this money over and I, I will be like not getting any revenue in. This will be the worst investment of my entire career. But luckily after that, it started to gain traction again and the first sales were coming in. And then I was thinking about how can I grow this? And at first I yeah, changed the website, built also some new products. And then I found out half a year later, I think around uh, about the product hunt trick as I was diving in more deeply into the data. And then when it really, really started to grow like crazy, because as I told you earlier, With every launch, new people were learning about base templates, organic traffic was rising, new products were bringing in new sales. And yeah, till this, I think we managed to grow the business around like 10, 10x or 10 to 15x, somewhere around that. And right, right now I'm just like sitting here in, in Berlin and I'm just looking at my phone and I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? All these sales are coming in from around the world, from Australia to the US, like at daytime, at nighttime, and I'm just enjoying building the business even more. And yeah, that's great fun. That's awesome. awesome. That's like light, lights a fire in you almost like, oh, this is amazing. Why should I angel invest? I'll just keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, so I would, I would describe myself as like 50% maker and 50% investor right now. And it's, 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 it's so crazy. I'm investing in businesses that are making millions and millions in revenue. But for, for myself, it's still so much fun. And even I, th I would say more fun to build like a business that is making like $10,000 $10, in revenue or anything. And like only have like 100 customers instead of 100,000. It's so crazy. It's probably because like as an angel, you're passive right? You kind of like enjoy it from the sidelines. You can't yeah. really like take or draw anything out for a long time. You're just yeah. watching your stocks basically like, oh, okay, like this is doing good. But here you see the immediate gratification. You're like, I did all that work. This is coming through. I'm getting those sales and there's nothing like it. So yeah. I think, yeah. Especially if like, for example, on product time, but also Twitter or via email, Are sending in like thank you notes and are saying things like, Hey Max, I, I was using your resources. I didn't have a clue about how to raise funds uh, before, but now I managed to secure uh, a 1 million investment and I can pursue my dream of becoming an entrepreneur or something like that. And that really lights up my heart, right? That's incredible. Do you know, do you know why the, the sales dropped off as soon as you bought it? I think it was just bad luck. So <laughs> I don't have any other like explanation for that. I think it was just so from time to time, there were always phases where for maybe two, three or four days, there weren't no sales coming in at that time. But like 15 days or 70 days was the longest span you could ever imagine. <laughs> And I was so afraid that I had just like sent over money right into a black hole. 
And so <laughs> I don't know. Nice. That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, we're getting close to the end of the hour here. And it's been an awesome interview. So one of the things that before we wrap up the show, we love asking guests is, and especially you, like you're doing investment and you're helping all these entrepreneurs and stuff and you're really active in it. So tell us what advice you have for people out there who are looking to either buy or to build a business. You can do, sometimes people like to do both sides of it. Sometimes they do one, it's up to you, but just some advice. I would only buy businesses that have satisfied customers. So if I would buy another business, I would ask, I, I would try to get in interviews um, with the customers that are using the product. And I would really like to understand why they chose to use the service and are still paying for it like every month. And it has to be really, really good because the worst thing you can acquire is a business that is a leaking bucket. So uh, a business where you are attracting new customers every month, that's totally fine. But if like a high percentage of these customers churn out in your, in, in your, in your funnel or in, from your business, this is something that's really, really hard to fix. And another thing that is really, really interesting, I think there are two types of people, people who, li who like to start out from scratch and build a business from scratch and do the first steps, set up the first website, get the first customers and anything like that. But there's also like this type of people that just try enjoy to go from one to two or one to 10 with the business. And I think I, it's so it, it's, I would encourage them to really look for amazing businesses out there because right now it's so much easier to acquire them than like maybe five years ago. And yeah, to finish this up, Another tactic that I would always think of, even as a startup, or even if you just bought like a small business, I think it's also always something you can think of. Can you acquire another business to add them together? So I would also think about like a buy and build in our micro or indie hacker world. And I think this could work out quite well as well. Nice. Some good advice there. So... Finally, if people are trying to reach you, Max, what is the best way to do it? Is it through Facebook? Is it through Twitter, LinkedIn? Or how would they reach you? And how would they connect with you for your businesses? Absolutely. So first of all, always happy to chat, to share my experiences as an entrepreneur. I love my fellow entrepreneurs and really, really want to empower with their businesses. And I think the best way to reach me is through Twitter. So Twitter, Max Flight. You will find me around there or just via email. Feel free to reach out. Perfect. Great. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. And it was also fun to talk to you about all those different facets of entrepreneurship. For all those super fans and early adopters listening to Buy and Build podcast, thank you for joining us. We love you and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much, guys. You can find more episodes and a link to the community of Buy and Build podcast at buybuildpod.com. Remember to like, rate, and share with your friends on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us again next week as we continue our journey. We'll see you in the next one.